she was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, a podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am your host, Sarah Gorski, and I am super excited, listeners, to share with you a couple new guests we have today. Two good friends of mine back from my Chicago theater days. I have Michael Schleffinger and Caitlin Parrish. Michael has brought us an incredible broad today, and I'm so excited to hear all about her. But before we get started, listeners, I do want to introduce you to them a little bit because you don't know who they are. Caitlin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I know you, but our listeners don't. So who are you? Hi, I'm Caitlin Parrish. Uh, I'm a television writer and playwright. I co-created a CBS program called The Red Line with my creative partner, Eric Weiss. Which is a great show, by the way. I can say it was a a really great show. Everyone should watch it. You can still watch it. Yes, it's available (laughs) on Amazon Prime. Please be our 27th viewer. No, way more than that. I've at least watched it 30. I have 5 million people a week on CBS, and I think we have 27 reviews on Amazon. So take that for what you will. Um, (laughs) And uh, I guess my superpowers include making uh, brazing duck and disliking most people. I did not know you braised duck. This is a whole new side of you. I braised the shit out of duck, Gorski. But I knew that you disliked most people. Oh, yeah. I knew that part. I knew that part. That one was And Michael, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, I am an actor and a writer. I've worked on a handful of shows with 27 or 28 reviews on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) About the same amount of views uh, weekly. And I guess my superpower is uh, 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 baking pies. Yeah, especially during the pandemic. Uh, well, I haven't seen any of them, so you're dead to me. That's that's. um... (laughs) I'm just kidding. Which is your favorite? Or best pie you think that you make? I know Caitlin's answer to that is a pear blackberry pie. But the one that gets requested the most is my chocolate cream. Chocolate cream. I have a good French silk, Michael. Maybe we should go head to head. Okay, so I wanted to know the difference between a chocolate cream pie and a French silk pie. And when I found out, I found a recipe that brings together the best of both. And and I have a secret ingredient that I'm not going to tell you. And I have had that pie. And that pie is good. Ooh, that sounds delicious. I am worried I'm going to get sidetracked and talk about pies this entire episode. So before that happens, Michael, who have you brought us today? I have brought y'all one of my favorite broads. Her name is Vera Cheslavska. And I'm like (gasps) 85% certain that I'm pronouncing her name correctly. (laughs) It's Polish, right? Uh, it's Czechoslovakian. Czechoslovakian. Oh, well, there's a lot of consonants, but that sounded good. There are. And, and when correctly spelled, there's a lot of squiggles over those continents that I don't fully understand. But I'm pretty sure it's Vera Cheslavska. Okay, Michael, is this the same broad you told me about when I first told you about my podcast? And you were like, oh, here's the broad you should do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, when you mentioned the idea of this podcast, I was like, I know exactly who you should do because no one's ever heard of her and everyone should have. Yeah, this broad is your party conversation for like the last four years. Yeah. Yeah, unless I'm trying to flirt. Yeah. In which case, I have absolutely no conversation topics. It just goes bad. No, she's a, th- <laughs> she's, she's a third date topic for you. She's a third date topic. She is. Um, especially uh, with the Olympics having just wrapped up and so much more focus on gymnastics and the behavior of the gymnasts at 
the 2021 Olympics? Yes, we actually did an episode about the 2020 Olympics. It was a little more of a, like an overview. It wasn't about one specific broad of the Olympics, but Michael, all right, tell us all about her. I thought there might be some conversation about her at this most recent Olympics because Simone Biles was getting ready to be the first person to repeat as the all-around champion in over 50 years. And the last person to do that was Vera Cheslovska. As a gymnastics fan, I'll be honest that I kind of thought that that was where their parallels ended. And it turns out there's a whole lot more than that. Um, And she was an absolute badass uh, for so much more than her gymnastics. Wow. 50 years ago, you said. Yes. um, We're going to concentrate on this five-year period where she was basically in fucking charge of gymnastics. It was 1964 to 1968. But before I do that, I want to contextualize this because it's it's kind of hard to overstate Soviet influence on gymnastics. Um, they were uh, the team champion for every Olympics from 1952 to 1992, except for 1984. And that's because they didn't fucking go. <laughs> like they just won all the time. They had all of the agreements with judges. It was definitely a Soviet sport. And Vera Cheslovska was Czechoslovakian. She wasn't from the USSR. Who won in 84? Romania. Oh, good for them. Yep. I thought you were going to uh, maybe say George Orwell. No? <laughs> uh, too soon. We're still living in those times. We're still, still living in those times, yeah. <laughs> and and gearing up for more because uh, 84 was in LA and LA is getting ready to host again in 2028. Oof. So we all have just enough time to move. I will be renting my house out as an Airbnb. Yeah. And getting uh. as far away from the city as I can. Yeah. I'll have to, I haven't started thinking about that yet. You guys have a much different disaster plan than I do, it seems like. <laughs> as long as we can all agree that the Olympics are a disaster. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've thought out my Olympics escape plan, my zombie apocalypse plan, yep. uh, my, you know, streaming wars plan. That's about it. <laughs> Back in the 60s, the schedule was a little bit different. The Olympics were still every four years, but the world championships were also every four years and they would stagger them. So like the Olympics were in 64 and 68, the world championships were in 66. And then any year there wasn't a world championships or an Olympics, there was a European championships. Wait, how is it now? Pretend I don't know anything about gymnastics at all. Oh, okay. (laughs) How is it today different? Now, any year there isn't an Olympics, there's a world championships. So there's a world championship three years in a row, and then there's an Olympics. This year... Because the Olympics were supposed to be last year, there we, we get both this year. So in October, the World Championships are going to be back in Japan. Um, so, but the athletes never get a break. They're competing every single year now. Yes, Damn. and now the World Championships are more closely tied to how you qualify for the Olympics. So there's mm. there's there's a relationship there. But yeah, at the time. Almost all of the top teams in the world were in Europe. And so if there wasn't a world championships or an Olympics, there was a European championships, which was basically like Olympics light. Mm -hmm. From 1964 to 1968, she won all of them. Wow. Gold, like Um, every event, every, like. Not every, she won the all around, just like Simone Biles did. Uh, Every time she went, she won the all around. And all around is, so, okay, it's different than every event. Can you just explain it? Pretend I'm a baby who's never heard of gymnastics because that's who I am. (laughs) So in women's gymnastics, there's four apparatuses. There's the vault, uneven bars, balance beam, and floor exercise. And the all-around competition is is where you, you have to do all four of those in a row. 
But then all four of them also compete individually separately, right? Yes. And so after the all-around competition, then there's an individual competition for each of the events. And so all the people who scored the best in prelims on the balance beam get together and they declare a champion for the balance beam, for the bars, the vault, and the floor. There's an all-around champion. And then there's also a a team championship where uh, the team uh, competes on all four. So there's six categories where you could win. It's also extra. Like, it's like a little bit extra that there's so many. <laughs> oh, absolutely there is. Uh, and, and and on the men's side, there's actually two more events. Divas. Yes. The uh, men get much, two more? The men get six events and the women only get four, which means they <sighs> have two more opportunities to earn prize money. Mm. It's totally bullshit. Bullshit. Also, the men do like pommel horse. And what is even a pommel horse? Hot. <laughs> Yeah, their arms look really good when they do it. That's all I know. <laughs> but let's focus on the women again. Anyway, yeah. We back, can hate on the, the men women forever. are more fun anyway. <laughs> so the 1963, which was the year before she ascended to dominance, the European championships were held in um, Paris, which wasn't an Eastern Bloc country. There was all this controversy about how East Germany was treated. And so uh, Czechoslovakia and the USSR and all the Eastern Bloc companies boycotted. They just didn't go. And so it meant that people weren't able to witness her ascension. And so she just showed up to the Olympics and fucking took over. And everyone was like, who this bitch? What just oh, happened? she's like the golden God. She just like, just swept slipped in. right in there. Oh, yep. And 64. Now she was, she was 22 at the 64 Olympics, which now would be like a, a, an old lady. Like Simone talks about being the grandma on the team and she's 24. Um, it's not the age that you start your gymnastics career. Now you'd start as a teenager. So the sport has changed a whole lot and she, she kind of worked her way up. The Soviets won the team competition because the Soviets won all the team competitions. That's how that went. And sorry, is Czechoslovakia its own country in 64? Yes. Okay. So this is post-revolution. It's its own country, mm-hmm. but it is a strictly communist country. Gotcha. And so it's kind of seen as, as, uh, as, as a, a, a pal of, the Soviets. Mm-hmm. And and all of that is going to come up later because uh, Vera was not a huge fan of communism. Oh, interesting. As it turns out. Interesting. Um, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, in the all-around competition, this, this, this Soviet athlete had won the previous two Olympics. She is uh, still the uh, gymnast with the, the most uh, Olympic medals of all time. The, her name's Larissa Latinina, and the her Olympic medal haul was only beaten by Michael Phelps. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I think that she actually tried to get herself to that Olympics to, like, be the one to put the medal on him. Was she also smoking weed? Was that her her secret? I think we can only assume. <laughs> yeah. We can only assume. Because <laughs> uh, it's such a performance enhancer. Mm-hmm. But Vera Cheslovska showed up in 64 and beat her, which was uh, a major uh, coup. A coup, you say. Yes, so to How speak. very not Russian of her. <laughs> right? Uh, she won the all-around by getting the highest score on vault, bars, and beam. She only didn't get the high score on floor exercise. So, like, a decisive win. Uh, when it got to the event finals, she won the gold medal on vault. She took fifth on the uneven bars because she fell during the, the event final. But... She enjoyed the Japanese team and the Japanese fans so much that the skill that she fell on, she got back up and did it again and actually told people, she's like, I knew the Japanese wanted to see me do that because it's a really cool skill. Ah. 
like total show woman. I admire the hustle. Absolutely. Because she didn't get credit for it. Mm-hmm. She just got up and did it again because she was like, I mean, it's a really cool spinny thing. They want to see it. Um, oh, and I've watched the video. It's, it's They got here early so they <laughs> right? could have a good seat. It's a long day. That's like really cute. It is. And she was also training a skill that she had learned from the Japanese men's team, which none of the women were doing yet and is still done today. So like she absolutely was uh, a groundbreaking athlete, even at her... That was technically her second Olympics, but this is the first one where she was like a star. She won gold on beam, performing a much more athletic routine than people were doing at the time, uh, which has has continued to this day. She really, she made a name for herself. 22 Uh, years old. 22 years old. Gymnastic stories make me feel old every time. Don't they? (laughs) Yes. I, I take it. The Soviets are not thrilled about this. They are not thrilled about this. Yeah. No, nor were they thrilled the following year when she mm. went to the European Championships Ooh. and she won gold in the all around and then she won gold on every single event. Oh, Khrushchev must have been pissed. He was furious. Um, she swept. A sweep had happened one other time. Uh, Larissa Latinina, the athlete that I mentioned before, had mm. done it in 57. And then athletes would go on to do it in 73 and in 1990 but all of them were Soviet gymnasts, mm-hmm. which means mm. there was kind of an understanding of, of, of the, the, the pedigree of athlete. They showed up with the right, you know, flag flying by their name. Um, there were probably agreements among judges. She didn't have any of that. And she still swept. She got the gold medal on every single event. Was she just a prodigy or did she like, do you like, did you find any, like, did she train differently than them? Or did she have like some secret sauce? Like what was her secret sauce besides weed? Obviously. <laughs> It's not all that different from Simone's, frankly, which is that she was doing really hard stuff, if not harder than everybody else, and her execution was phenomenal. The Soviet tradition is largely based in ballet. And so if you watch these old floor exercises, they're kind of like dancing around and they'll throw a cartwheel in there and then they'll do like a tour jeté. And uh, like you can you can see all of the balletic influence. And she was like, cool, cool, cool. Also, we can flip. She was uh, more of a jock. But mm. uh, but would but didn't disregard any of the precision, um, and 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 had a real flourish to the way that she performed. And so in that way, that if you take someone who's never seen gymnastics before and have them watch Simone Biles, they're like, "But why is she flying twelve feet in the air and everyone else is only seven feet in the air?" Mm-hmm. Um, you could watch Vera Cheslovsky at the time and be like, "No, no, she's clearly the best. I don't know why, but she's the best." Mm-hmm. So Russians were like the cookie cutter model, and she'd like she was her own she she didn't go through that system so she she was like her own flavor yeah the russians were like tough dancers and she was just tough mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah she was and actually and if you see uh, she had this like <laughs> blonde bouffant hairstyle like she was she was absolutely she was she was showy at the 66 world championships so this is the only world championship that's going to happen between the 64 and 68 olympics for the first time in a very long time she was so good that she pulled the Czech team with her and the team competition was suddenly an actual competition and it hadn't been in like a generation. She it's, brought up the whole team. It's yeah. really hard to land a backflip carrying six Czechoslovakian girls on your back. <laughs> it's really hard. Uh, and she, she's maybe the only one who knows how to do it. Yeah. Well, they uh, all like only weigh like nothing. They're all tiny. Right? They're all tiny babies. I don't know, man. Well, they I, not I no, a, not in the sixties. I looked 60s. a picture of Vera and th- them some thighs. They're women. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, yeah, and actually, gymnastics now is starting to shift back toward that. Oh. Yeah, that whole pixie thing came into play ten years after the fact. That's a Caroli thing. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> it really is. Yikes. Anyway, Vera. Vera. <laughs> um, the Czech team hadn't won the world championships in almost 30 years. The Russians had just been dominating the past however many. And in the team competition, it was one where like the Czechs started a little bit in front. Uh, after the first rotation, the Czechs were in front. After the second rotation, the, the Soviets were in front. After the third, it was the Czech. And they just kind of went back and forth. And then in the final rotation, the Soviets outscored the Czechs, but not by enough. And they actually won the gold medal. And the Czech team has not won the gold medal since. Like this was absolutely Whoa. Vera and all the Unprecedented. rest. Unprecedented. Yeah, completely. Wow. At the time, there wasn't a separate day for the all-around competition. You just took the scores from the team competition. And the Russians knew that she was the major contender. And so they took their major contender and they would have her go last in each rotation. And the reason this is important is because the idea is that if a judge says, oh, well, there's five gymnasts left to go, I can't give this one a super high score because then what else will I do if the rest of them do really well? And they were Russians, so they knew they're going to do really well. And so you put your best gymnast last thinking that the score will get boosted. It's a theory that's actually still used in college gymnastics today. That's Is that for real? Sure. Like that's that's really yeah. how they the judges do it. That sucks. I mean, it's. I think they would tell you that it's 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 subconscious, if anything. But if you know that there's you know three or four gymnasts left to go, and you're really impressed by someone, you can't give them a ten because what happens if the next person's better? Then like there's no other score to give. I'd love to see the statistics on that. I actually think I know who to reach out to for that. Fantastic. <laughs> of course, that's why they have more rounds than one, though. That's why they have so many prelims and all this other shit, right? Like, so that it's not just, it comes down to, like, just one in your lineup. Yeah. So they they put their athlete last in each of their rotations to try to boost her score. On the floor exercise, there was a gymnast who was better than her, but they wanted her to counter Vera mm-hmm. and may have cost that better gymnast the gold medal on the floor exercise because she didn't get as high of a score. <gasps> Damn. Uh, also, yep. I have to say, I would not for love or money want to be this main Soviet contender gymnast. Right. Because my God, what happens when you still lose? And, and you she have did. to go home. I, that, I, no. I, <laughs> I, I would not want to be a part of that welcome no. home party gulag. Well, she did great. Mm-hmm. She got silver, and mm-hmm. it was really close. Uh, but 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 Vera was kind of undeniable. Yeah. And apparently the crowd like exploded so much and got so wild that she needed a police escort back to the locker room. Vera did? <laughs> yes. Can she's you imagine a- that at a gymnastics competition? <laughs> she's a beetle. Right? Oh, my God. That must have been so insane. Like, for v- like Vera's experience, that must have been so surreal. And uh, have you, like, read interviews from her afterwards about it and, like, what was going through her mind when all that was happening? There aren't a lot. And actually, here's where I want to thank the website gymnasticshistory.com, which is a newer website run by this guy who just goes by the name Uncle Tim. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but he just started this gymnastics history website that is like deeply researched that I just found that was amazing. Um, and I'm just starting to be able to see some... There are, there are a few videos of her that have been floating around the internet for a while, but he's found and consolidated them um, in a way that I've never experienced before. And I just found it yesterday. So I'm very, very excited. Are all the videos of her up on it? Like her performance? There's a bunch. Yeah. Gymnastics-history.com. Totally worth it. And what um, Uncle Tim does is he breaks it down by competition. And then even some, uh, you know, we'll go even uh, deeper into it. Well, I'll talk about that in just a second when we get to 1967. But you were saying that you didn't want to be that Russian athlete. Her name is Natalia Kuchinskaya. I don't know how much of this would have been like an agreement that the judges had. But when it got to the event finals, 
Vera won Vault, and then Kuchinskaya won the other three. Ah, okay. So she didn't go home without a gold. She just didn't win the all around. Mm-hmm. Well, to Khrushchev, she lost. <laughs> right? <laughs> Silver is not gold. Silver is not gold. That's the same thing he said to Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 67. We're back at the European Championships. And if you remember in 65, this is where she won gold on the all around and she won gold on all four apparatuses. And in 1967, she did it again. No one's ever swept twice. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. And they were doing that kind of score inflating thing where, uh, like the Russian would go in the event final and do really, really well. And so they'd give her a 9.9 and then Vera went and would do better. And so they were forced to give Vera a perfect 10 on two events. And that had never happened on a major international competition before. Wow. So she's the first gymnast at this point to win a perfect 10 and she did it twice. Wow. And that's one of the things that like uncle Tim did a special post about that. Cause he was like, no one knows this. Mm-hmm. And it was such a major event in the sport. Because to get a perfect 10, you didn't need to convince a judge that you needed a perfect 10. There were five judges. Mm. They dropped the highest and the lowest score. You had to convince at least four of the judges to give you a perfect 10. Wow. And she did it twice. Wow. Yep. But that's how good she was. Amazing. So that's all like fun sports history and why she's abroad that I should know because I love gymnastics. 1968 is when Vera Cheslovska becomes a broad that should be known across the board. Even more um, so than what she just did, what you just said? Oh my gosh. All right. More so by a lot. Because at this point, she's a really impressive gymnast. And she's in the history books as a gymnast. And in 68 is when politics really comes into play. Um, I seem to recall that she didn't like communism. She's not a fan of communism. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be honest here. I know a little bit about the political situation going on in Czechoslovakia at the time. I don't know a ton. But the spring of 1968 is referred to as the Prague Spring. And that's Mm -hmm. when there was, it was a time of political liberalization. There were a lot of protests, um, rebelling against the totalitarian communist government. Mm -hmm. um, A lot of efforts to to, to shake up the way the government was was run. There was a Czech reformist named, another name I'm totally confident in, Hmm. Ludwig Vasulik. Uh, And he wrote a manifesto called The 2000 Words, Criticizing Communism and Advocating for Reform. And Mm -hmm. Vera, uh, very famous in the country at this time, became one of 70 well-known people to sign on to the manifesto. So not only was she not a fan of communism, but it was a matter of public record Mm -hmm. that she opposed communism. And and basically, like Czechoslovakia at the time, like all when the USSR broke up, all the leaders of the new countries we're still basically under Russia's thumb, right? Like they were all still like really intricately connected. Well, the USSR didn't break up till 91. Mm-hmm. So this is this is before that. USSR still going strong. Right, right. So they're, they're trying to get out, like they're trying to get out of Russia, basically. It's like planting the seeds for what ends up becoming the breaking up of, of the USSR eventually. I can't speak with enough confidence about that, but it makes sense. Uh, Czechoslovakia wasn't part of the USSR. Uh-uh. It wasn't? No. Mm-hmm. What? They just, just real good friends at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe at one point they were, but at, but at this point, Czechoslovakia was its own country. Wow. I thought, I definitely thought it was. But because they were sisters in communism, the Polish spring or the, the, the Prague spring, excuse mm-hmm. me, ended in August of 1968 when the USSR sent thousands of troops and tanks to invade and put an end to the reformation movement. Man, they love doing that. They really do. Mm-hmm. 
political leaders started getting arrested. It was it was bad news. And that was August of 68. The Olympics were in October. And to be fair, we love doing that too. I, I, I don't oh, want to yeah. act like this is only a Russian thing. Like we'd done the same thing in Guatemala yeah. like less than a decade before. Yeah. We tried to do it in I mean, Cuba. China does the same thing. Everyone who's a major power in their region tends to do this to the smaller powers. It's we just pattern. had that really successful 20-year effort in Afghanistan, didn't we? Oh, yeah. That went great. So great. Mm. <laughs> so Cheslavska thinks that she's prepping for her next Olympics where she should be able to just like go and take over like she had at every major competition up until that point. And then the Soviets invade Mm. and she sees political leaders start getting arrested and they start referencing this manifesto that she'd signed on to. And so she had to go into hiding. She left Prague. She had to go to this small town up in the mountains. The Olympics were only weeks away. She had no access to a gym, so she just started training in the woods. She would carry potato sacks to build up her strength. She shoveled coal to toughen her hands. She literally swung on branches, practiced her floor routine in a meadow, and trained for the balance beam on a log. Like, that was her Olympic training. Now that is a goddamn montage. Right? Right? There was a a chick um, who won, oh, I can't remember her name, but... We talked about her in the Olympics episode where she was trapped because of COVID. She couldn't go home and train. And she was like stuck at her Airbnb because she had been like on the way to a competition when the world locked down. And so she like trained with like water jugs that she like filled up in her hotel room. And like she just stories like that blow my mind and amaze me. I just love it. I don't know who that was. I want to find out now. Mm -hmm. I'll find out. Thank you. Yeah, it really came down to the wire for her um, because initially the government officials didn't want to let her go because she was uh, a a rebel. Um, And then they realized that she had the possibility to win as many medals as the rest of the team combined. And so at the last minute, they gave her permission. And according to her, the Soviet team was already uh, the Olympics were in Mexico City. So other side of the world, the Soviet team was already in Mexico City getting used to the time change and the equipment and the atmosphere while she was still in hiding up in that mountain town. So they let her go, and she has said that her goal, and I love this, was to sweat blood to defeat the invader's representatives. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. Showed up with blood in her eyes. That is metal. Isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a question, Michael, because I got a little lost in the last section. So she needed permission from the Russians, but she was Czech, right? But why did she need permission from the Russians? I missed that part. She actually needed permission from the Czech government. Oh, remember the Czech government was still communist at this time. It mm-hmm. was she was just part of the uh, the the rebellion to try to shift to. I think they were. I think they were going towards socialism. Right. Okay. So, but the Czech government was nervous, even though yeah, because yeah. the Soviets were there to kind of help them, you know, put out the fires of rebellion, and and she was certainly part of that. Okay, that makes more sense. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. So. She goes in with this major goal that she's going to kick ass. She's getting there at the last possible second. It's in Mexico City. She changed her floor music to be the Mexican hat dance because she loved a crowd and she wanted to rile them up. Oh my God. What a performer. What a natural performer. Total performer. (laughs) And she appreciated how much that mattered. And um, in the all around competition, not only did she win, but her margin of victory went unmatched until Simone Biles beat it in 2016. Like she won by a shitload. Yeah. Excellent. And that wow. like scores were not the same at the time. Now you're able to to get bigger scores and, and her margin of victory was enormous. Wow. Training in the woods. Training in Training the woods, in the woods. Right. on a fucking log with the coal on her hands. She she sweeps it. 
Exactly. I mean, yeah. She basically just lived Hana and 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 replaced <laughs> Saoirse Ronan. Yep. Yeah, you want to win the floor <laughs> exercise, practice in a meadow. Mm-hmm. Those, kill, those... kill a reindeer, cut out its heart. Yep. Bambi ain't going to give you applause. You've mm-hmm. got to earn it. Things actually ramp up a little bit politically for her at this point, if you can believe. But I want to give a little bit of context because this is the 1968 Olympics. Nine days prior to the event finals for gymnastics, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the gold and bronze medal winner on the, uh, I think, 200 meter sprint. You're looking to me. I'm sorry. You're the only person here. <laughs> They're the two guys who put their heads down and gave the Black Power salute on the metal podium. Mm. And so an image that you have probably seen. Mm-hmm. And that's um, why the rule is there that you can't do anything political on the stand, right? It's from, from them? I don't know if that's why the, this, the rule is in place, but it is why it is such a big deal. Because people went ape shit. Um, oh. And the Olympics, uh, it, led by an American, were all over athletes who were attempting any kind of political demonstration. That theirs was race-related was, I think, an exacerbating force for them, mm. uh, to say the least. But any kind of political commentary in 1968 at the Olympics was frowned upon. And after they did that, it was uh, grounds for disqualification. The IOC, the uh, International Olympic Committee, censured both Tommy Smith and John Carlos. I mean, it was, it was, it was bad. So Veer gets to the all-around competition, destroys everybody. On vault, she wins. She is the only gymnast in history to defend her vault gold medal. Um, this is another place a lot of people expected that Simone Biles would repeat vault because there's no other vaulter in history, especially with her doing uh, a double pike Yurchenko. So another place that they have in common. On the uneven bars, which is the one that she fell off in 1964, she won gold. On the balance beam, I have read a number of places that there was some kind of controversy and she lost the gold medal to a Soviet gymnast. She took silver instead. I have not been able to find details of that controversy. That's a bummer. We love drama. We love drama. And she won gold on everything up until that point. And then the floor exercise final was last. This is the one where she had changed her music to be the Mexican hat dance. Mm -hmm. The crowd already absolutely loved her. Going into the final, now when you're in the Olympics, if you get into an event final, your score in the final counts and nothing else does. It's, it's, uh, everybody starts at zero. Mm-hmm. At the time, your prelim scores were averaged and added to your score in the final. And okay. so mm. you had a score going in. And she went into the final, uh, I believe, just like narrowly tied for silver mm-hmm. with a Russian gymnast. So there was somebody who was a little bit ahead of them. And then Vyacheslavska and Larisa Petrik were tied for silver. On the day of the final, for some reason, Larisa Petrick's score from prelims was incorrectly written down as lower than it actually was. Mm. How does that even happen? Because human, uh, human error. <laughs> it's people. It's the 60s. It, yeah. And, and I mean, it, it was literally getting either written down or and then manually entered, entered into the scoreboard. But it's like the most important event, like athletic event of uh, the four I mean, years. <laughs> that would make me nervous. Yeah. If I'm inputting scores. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, the Oscar for Best Picture goes to La La Land. Like, it happens. That's true. That's true. And so, (laughs) Larissa Petrick performed well in the final. She scored a 9.9. Really, really high score at the time. Which put her into second place. And then Vera Cheslavska went last. According to what was on the scoreboard that day, if Vera Cheslavska got a 9.9 also, she would win outright. And that's what she did. There's a video that I have seen of her performance. It looks like she's having a blast. Mm -hmm. The crowd is going crazy. And before her score goes up, the announcer, who I believe is American, even says, "Um, that's a 10 if ever I've seen it. 
Well, and also a Czechoslovakian woman doing a near perfect gymnastics routine to the Mexican hat dance today would go viral. Oh, it absolutely would. Today would be Uh retweeted thousands of times because that sounds like a blast. It does. And she had this fantastic final pose where she raised her arms up really high and looked at the audience as if to say, like, I'm here for you. I mean, it was, it's, it's a really fun routine to watch, even if you're not a gymnastics fan. Oh, I have to watch it. I have to look it up. Right? This sounds like the Rose's turn of gymnastics. It, <laughs> absolutely. Everything was coming up, Vera. <laughs> uh, so she goes, she gets the 9.9 that she needs to win. And then between when the scores are announced and when the medals are given out, the judges realize the mistake that they made. So they raise Larissa Petrick's score from prelims and remember, she and Cheslovska were tied to go into the final. And so then she has tied Vera Cheslovska for the gold medal. They're both going to get the gold. Now, if that whole score raising as it goes along thing is true, where Larissa Petrick did well, they gave her a 9-9, but if Cheslovska was going to win, she would need a 10. There are some people who say that if the scores had been right on the day, they would have given her a 10. Mm. And she would have been the first person in the Olympics to score a perfect 10. Um, it didn't happen. That didn't happen until 1976. Mm-hmm. But dang! after the scores were announced and Vera thinks that she won by herself, she finds out that she has to share the gold medal, which is fine, except she has to share it with a Soviet. Um. Oh, shit. Now, she knew these people. They were friendly. Sometimes they would like exchange records, at, uh, like, uh, vinyl um, at tournaments. <laughs> oh. um, but this was a Soviet, which means not only is she up there with a Soviet athlete, she has to stand there during the Soviet national anthem. Oh. And in her head is what Fuck. had just happened to um, to Tommy Smith and John Carlos, right? So um, where I have a quote from her, because shortly before she died, she, she described what she did to Czech television. Um, she's on the stand. The two flags have been raised right next to her, which must have had her blood boiling. And she said, all of a sudden, my hair stood on end and I automatically turned my head, not to the ground because the flag was quite low and I was on a podium, but perceptively to side away from the occupier's flag. It was understood by Western journalists and at home by ours as well. The gesture was on the borderline of what was acceptable. The International Olympic Committee could easily have disqualified me if I had gone even the slightest bit further. It sounds like this small thing that she did. And if I was in the gymnasium that day, I might not have noticed it. But in a photograph, you can see the Russian gymnast or the Soviet gymnast looking up and Vera Jaslavska clearly looking down and away and looking pissed. Mm -hmm. And (sighs) that was as major a political demonstration as she was able to do. Yeah. I mean, the Olympic Committee sometimes does what it wants, right? Like they could have disqualified her. I'm sure the patriarchy always finds a way, right? So like she she was putting it all at risk by doing that. Amazing. Undeniably. Now she didn't say anything specific. There was no gesture like, you know, raising the fist like black power that had any kind of reference. And so there was plausible deniability. So she was able to hold on to her medals. Mm-hmm. She actually got married to another Czech athlete right there in Mexico city. And like <laughs> a bunch of residents went to the ceremony and it was this big thing. So she was like, you know, the God, that of sounds like city. a great weekend. It does. But then <laughs> she had to go home. Mm. And I, I, I hate to say this at this point, because I don't have a whole lot left, but the next 20 years were pretty fucking bleak for her. She doesn't go to prison or something, does she? She <laughs> didn't go to prison. But oh. when she got home, remember that manifesto that she had signed on to? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When she got back government officials, because the government had not been overthrown. The, mm-hmm. the rebellion at that point had ended up been successful. They tried to get her to take her name off of that manifesto. It was this big mark of shame for them, and she refused. Mm. So good. She was banned from traveling abroad for almost a decade. Oh. And banned from contacting other gymnasts. What? Oh, I that's that's seen, particularly insidious. It is. I have seen different things say that she retired after the 68 Olympics. And I've also seen that she was basically forced into retirement because she couldn't communicate with gymnasts and she couldn't go anywhere. Was this the Czech government or was this her coaches, yes. her Czech, like, This is the Czech Olympic government. Committee. Yep. Fuck the, them. Yeah, so, uh, and they also prevented her from coaching. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let her have a coaching job because they were in charge of the jobs that you got. And so the most decorated gymnast in their history was then forced to clean houses for a living until the government thought that foreign journalists would find out that that was happening and that would get them in trouble. And so then they banned her from cleaning houses also. So she couldn't even make a living then? Couldn't even make a living. Oh. She was banned from releasing an autobiography. Somehow it got released in Japan. The uh, 64 Olympics were in Tokyo mm-hmm. and the Japanese absolutely loved her. So they were able to release it, but the government got to decide what edits got made. Oh, fun. Yep. So I'm sure oh. that's a really accurate telling. Um, Redacted, a love story. Exactly. Have you read it, Michael? Have you like tracked it down? The Japanese I, I, I literally found out about it today. It's kind of hard to explain just how famous she was for this one quick moment right after the Olympics. And then I found something that said that in Site 68, a poll was done of the world's most popular women. She placed second to Jackie Kennedy. Whoa. She Whoa. was fucking everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Man, yep. they erased her. Yes. She was a star of the Olympics, but then part of the punishment after she got home was that not only was she allowed to pursue a career, she wasn't allowed to keep doing gymnastics, she wasn't allowed to make a living, but also foreign journalists weren't allowed to talk to her. Yeah, makes sense. So the second most famous woman in 1968 vanished and was quickly forgotten. So nobody now has any idea who Vera Cheslovska was. At the time, she was more famous than Elizabeth Taylor. Let's make her famous again. Right? I mean, I feel like that's your life mission because because you do talk about this every time you've had a beverage. (laughs) Or even without a beverage. <laughs> right? <laughs> Stone cold sober. Things got a little bit better for her as the regime changed uh, in the late 80s. She was eventually vindicated after the fall of the Berlin Wall and the dissolution of the Soviet Union in the early 90s. In the late 80s, she was allowed to coach. I believe that she was the choreographer for the Czechoslovakian team at the 88 Olympics. And then uh, after the Czech government shifted, she became the, pre- the then president's advisor on sports and social matters. She was quickly elected to be the president of the Czech Olympic Committee. And then she was appointed to the International Olympic Committee's membership committee. So, like, once she was able to be back on the scene, everybody was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, let's let's hire her. In 91, she was inducted in the International Women's Sports Hall of Fame. In 95, she was um, given the Czech Republic's Medal of Merit, which I believe is the highest citizen honor you can get. And in 1998, she was inducted into the International Gymnastics Hall of Fame. So her story has a happier ending um but i feel like there's still a lot of vindicating to do on her behalf well yeah she's still alive right she's not she actually passed shortly after the 2016 olympics well team vera there were actually there were a lot of people who in rio were hoping that she would be there to put a medal on simone biles because people in the know understood that there hadn't been a gymnast quite like that um except for Nadia Komenich and she was there. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of hoping that there would be this like collection of 
um, legends of, of legends of, of extraordinary gymnasts to bestow uh, this honor on Simone Biles and kind of welcome her into the club. And though they from, were there, from an old goat to a new goat. Yep. There, there, you know, there were, there were goats. Uh, she just was not one of them. And I, I saw somebody say, I wonder if she's doing well. And then shortly thereafter she passed. Let's well, be clear. She but, was a goat. It's just that her government blocked her she out. Was. And so people wouldn't recognize that, but she still yeah. was a goat. There's been a lot of talk for the last few years about Simone Biles being the greatest gymnast of all time. And I'm not here to to counter that. But if it comes to dominance, because Simone Biles hasn't lost an all-around competition since 2013. I don't think there's an athlete in any sport, not that I follow many of them, who can say they haven't <laughs> lost since 2013. But when it comes to that level of dominance, the only other person who comes anywhere close is Vera Cheslovska, and she actually did it the way that Simone did, where she just won fucking everything. Yeah. And if she hadn't been shut out, she probably would have won consecutive Olympics and like accrued medal after medal after medal, but her government shut her out, right? And didn't let her... Well, she, I mean, she won consecutive Olympics. She won in 64 and 68. Who knows what she would have done after that? And also, just if she'd been able to tell her story. Like, Simone Biles was able to write a book. There's a TV movie mm-hmm. about her. I'm sure there's going to be another book because she's so much... She's, uh, she's so young. Uh, she's so much more of a voice now. Yeah. Standing up for uh, 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 athletes who uh, suffered under the, uh, frankly, oppression of the uh, of USA Gymnastics um, mm-hmm. and that awful sexual assault scandal. So, like, Simone is much more of an advocate now than she was after 2016. People are going to have all these reasons to remember who she is. That's all the stuff that Vera Cheslovska got robbed of or has been robbed of so far. What a great broad, Michael. Thank you for bringing her. She is unreal. Excellent broad. I love political broads too. Yeah, I love that it's like it's a fun sports story, and then it's like, oh no, 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 that's not even what made her amazing. All right, this is the last thing. People asked Simone Biles why she came back for 2020, why she started training again, because she didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Like, I think her toes have just been broken since 2013. Like she talks about, like she's had a bunch of injuries, and she said recently the reason that she wanted to go back to the Olympics was that she felt like there needed to be one survivor still competing. So that the U.S. Olympic, or so that the USA gymnastics couldn't ignore that scandal and pretend that it had gone away. That's why she was there to be a voice for people. And Vera Cheslovska showed up to the '68 Olympics for the exact same reason. Yeah, she wanted her blood to make the oppressors' representatives mm-hmm. sweat. What was it? She just wanted to dominate them. She wanted to dominate them, yeah. which she did. Amazing. And good on her. Good and on good both of them. on her. So Vera Cheslovska, hopefully, a name that more people will know. Michael, thank you so much for bringing us Vera today. Her story is just incredible. And your insanely deep knowledge and love of gymnastics is also super astonishing to me always. So thank you so much. And Caitlin, thank you for being here as well. I'm so grateful to you both for joining me today. Listeners, if you enjoyed hanging out with Michael and Caitlin, we have a whole bunch more info about them on our website at broadsyoushouldknow.com. So check them out and like and follow all their stuff. They're the best. And listeners, thank you for listening. If you liked this episode and the podcast in general, you should share it with your friends and family and people you think will also like the episode. And you also should leave us a review. Those are the two biggest ways that you can support us. You also should follow us on social at broads you should know and email us at broads you should know at gmail.com. And then come back next week for another broad you should know.
Oh, and if you really liked this episode about Vera and you are binging right now, there are a few other episodes you should totally check out right away. The 2021 Tokyo Olympics broads and Billie Jean King, if you're really into the athletics side of Vera's story. If you're more into the political intrigue side of her story, then you also will probably like Frida Kahlo, Lucy Parsons, and Lilu Wokulani. Happy binging!